0: Welcome in that matchless name of Jesus Christ. You are listening to the Apostolic Bible Study Time podcast. We're in the book of Romans. This is episode 18. We left off last time in the middle of Romans the 8th chapter, so we'll be picking back up in verse 17. If you'd like to reach out to us for any reason, our email address is apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. That's Apostolic Bible Study Time at gmail.com. Our new website is Apostolic Once again, that is www.apostolicbiblestudy.net. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Apostolic Bible Study Time. And we are on Twitter at one, that is the numeral one. At One God Podcast again. That is Twitter at One God Podcast. We'll pick up here in the seventeenth verse, Romans, the eighth chapter. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. So we understand, Galatians 3 and 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul's made this very clear. But uh, another reference here, uh, Romans, the second chapter, verses 28 and 29, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So we understand, we read these things, there's one covenant. God has one people. There's not different ways to be saved if you are a Gentile, and then there's another way to be saved if you're a Jew. That, that's not the way this works on the day of Pentecost. Acts two thirty eight 38 and 39, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all them that are afar off. That was us. That was the Gentiles. But it is the same promise, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We were strangers and foreigners in Ephesians, the second chapter, but we have been made partakers of this covenant that God has made, this salvation that God has made. And we understand that we see this, but <laughs> what, what is it if we suffer with him? What, what does that mean? What, what does that mean if we suffer with him? Uh, Romans eight eighteen. for I reckon that the sufferings... Of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We, we have listeners in many other countries other than just the United States. Uh, not, not boasting because we are still very small in comparison to some of the better produced podcasts. But um, th- this podcast has not been heard on Antarctica. That, that's the, we've hit the other six continents a, a good while back, but we've never been heard on Antarctica. But I say that to say this. Most of the listeners are in the United States of America. And as being a citizen of the United States of America, I can tell you that most of us have no idea what it means to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Now, suffering for the gospels a well-worn Bible topic. I mean, you'll, you'll hear pastors every week preaching about something, but deep down it's really a foreign concept to us because persecution of believers, the back was broken to that monster in this nation long ago. Now, it's rearing its ugly head again. It's healed up and it, it is coming back for us, but most people don't understand what it is that's coming. Most people don't understand the uh, persecution that is getting ready to come for the church. But Paul is saying this, and when he's saying this, he's saying it in the midst of a great persecution. Uh, This was written either 57 or 58 is when the uh, book of Romans was written and we know those dates that is shortly before the great persecution began under Nero where he was taking oil and he would uh, dip the Christians in oil and then use them for party lights. Uh, they would light up the streets of Rome and that's the reason why on the 4th of July I'm not too fond of the firework Roman candles because that is the first reference of a Roman candle was lighting an individual that has been dipped in oil on fire and they burn to death. That is persecution. I've had things happen to me before. I've, I've had things that were aggravating. I, I came home from a church conference just this last spring, and somebody had pitched a rock through the back glass of my vehicle. The back door glass, not the uh, backpack glass. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. We don't know that that was persecution. We we don't know, but the way the car was setting, it appears that it almost had to have done on purpose. But you know, if that is the worst thing that ever happens to me, I'm in pretty good shape. There are people... I, you remember the the news when it was going on what ISIS was doing to believers. They would sew their eyes open and they would crucify believers, just let them die a slow agonizing death. That's persecution. That's something that is just totally foreign to us. That's something that's foreign to most European believers. But it happens nonetheless, and I believe in the hour that we are living in, we are going to see it increased greatly, because of what I read in the book of Revelation. But we're not going to, we're not going to go there. But um, Paul, when he's talking about persecution, when he's talking about suffering for the gospel, he knows what he's talking about. He goes over this in Second Corinthians, the eleventh chapter. We're going to pick up in verse. 23, and read down through verse 27. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. Or oft. King James Version, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness, and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Paul knew something about suffering. Just, Just to back this up, Philippians, the third chapter, the tenth verse. That I may know him, speaking of Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. My goodness, in the United States, most of us have problems fasting for 24 hours. Most of us, it's inconvenient to pray. We, We know practically nothing. Now, I'm not saying this is the case for everybody here. There's people on foreign mission fields that are United States citizens that they've gone through it and different ones uh Kim Davis comes to mind in Kentucky when she refused to give out the marriage licenses for the uh, same sex couples uh that this happened what was that 20 must have been about 2016. I don't even remember. It's been long enough ago now. But uh, they, they took her, if I'm remembering correctly, she spent a little bit of time in jail over that. But uh, So there is persecution. There are things that happen to people in the United States. But the point being, all in all, we don't know much about suffering. We don't know much about suffering to the degree that the early church and Paul was just making it sound like it was a a normal a, a normal thing. But uh, mo- moving on, Romans eight nineteen through twenty two, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together Until now. Now we see where it originally happened in Genesis. But let's pick up in 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter. We're going to read verses 21 through 26. And try to get a feel of what Paul is talking about here. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So he goes on and he talks in 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter. Verses uh, 21 through 26. For since by man came death. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. But we look in Genesis in the first chapter and it repeats when God creates something, he saw that it was good. There was no corruption in what God created in the beginning. It took man to really mess that up. There was no corruption corruption until the fall. There was no sin until the fall. Therefore, there was no death until the fall. But when sin came, then our entire creation that we exist in began its period of decay. So this last enemy that Paul was speaking of that shall be destroyed, being uh, death, Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse 3, the, the writer says, And there shall be no more curse. Death is a curse, the curse that was brought upon us because of sin, but it is fixed in the end. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. The curse is done away when the kingdom of God is brought fully on this planet. The, the kingdom of God is here already. Uh, Jesus told them, I believe it is the book of Luke, he said that the kingdom of God is within you, that the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is here, but the manifestation has not taken place yet. I am of those that believe there is going to be a real, honest to goodness, it's not a literary invention, it's not a metaphor, it's not a simile. I believe God Almighty is going to put his throne on this earth, and I believe he is going to reign at least for a period of a thousand years. That is scriptural. That, that's what the Bible says, that there's going to be a, a thousand year when God is going to show man what man has messed up for the last 6,000. He's going to show us what ruling really is. It's hard to argue the point that man has tried in some form or another to govern man for the last 6,000 years. And one thing that man has proven is... Man with his ideas, even as good as they are, even as noble as they are, man cannot rule over man so long as man is in the flesh. I'm not saying there's never been a good ruler, but if a good ruler stands up, there'll be seven bad ones behind him. It's it's just, it's the way it works. Our nation, and I believe I have spoken to this before, but our nation, the principles that our nation were founded upon were good. But it didn't take long from the point of the Constitution being penned and signed and ratified until they were trying to figure out a way to get around it. The Constitution itself was good, but it had to be good because it was largely based off of Deuteronomy. It was largely based off the Word of God. But when he comes back, that curse is going to be gone. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more dying. There's going to be no more decay. And we will be in the state that God created this earth to be. So let, let's move along. Romans 8, we're going to read verses 23 through 25. And not only they, but ourselves also, which had the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. The writer says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. There's times when we are hanging on purely by faith. We, we see no give in the situation. We, we see that uh, the, the loved one that we have been praying for, we have faith that God is going to bring them back, but we don't see any evidence of this. Uh, or Our bills, we see the bills coming in the mail, and we don't have the money to pay this bill. We don't see how God is going to do it. We do not see uh, what God is going to use in our situation. That is one way of looking at this. Yes. but he goes on here for uh, verse two, for by it, the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So th- this entire earth that God has given to us and he made man to be dominant Over the earth. You wonder why they have these wildfires and why the whole planet seems to be burning up. Man was made to be a caretaker of this place. And he is told that he is not allowed to perform his God-given duties of being the caretaker. We read in the book of Revelation again. Woe, woe, woe to those that destroy the earth. There are those that are destroying the earth. I believe some of them probably had their heart in the right place but they don't acknowledge God and they do not acknowledge the position that man was given to, given to have. You you go into the woods and you will see a tree that has fallen over in the woods and maybe it's laying in the crook of another tree and it's laying there and it's drying out and it's rotting. Well, when a forest fire comes through, that, that's little more than a fuse to have that that dry tree lay there. But we were made to be caretakers of the entire planet. And that, that is just one simple illustration. But there are so many forest fires and so many things going on now if we were allowed to do what we are supposed to do, but that goes back to the governing of man. He says, no, you you don't do that. You don't know what you're talking about, and your Bible's not real. You weren't made to be a caretaker, so go sit down and shut up, and we'll show you how to really burn a planet down. But Anyway, back back to what we are saying here in Hebrews. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. This is all by faith. This is understanding that there, there's nothing we can do. We cannot create our own world. We cannot create our own circumstances to a degree. But moving along here in Romans eight twenty six and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's why we're instructed in Jude. We're going to read Jude verses 20 and 21. Remember, there's only one chapter. So verses 20 and 21. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Praying in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit itself maketh intercession. The Spirit itself knows what to pray for. But there are times we just need to turn the flesh loose and let the spirit have its way. Not, not try to understand everything. I do need to make a correction here just to clarify what I was meaning. When I say turn the flesh loose, I don't mean let the flesh have its way. I mean put it out to pasture and let the spirit have its way. Restraining the flesh, letting the spirit have the say. Because if you try to make sense with your carnal mind, out of everything that the Spirit does, you're in bad shape. You're never going to figure it out. You're never going to understand it. But the Spirit knows what to pray for. That the Spirit knows how to bring it forth. But uh, let's go back here, Romans 8 and 28. And we know all things, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I'm sure this is anecdotal, uh, but the story goes that there was a a pastor and one of his deacons was an old farmer and he he called on his deacon to say the closing prayer for the service and the, the old farmer stands up and he says, Lord, I hate buttermilk. The pastor opened one eye and wondered where this was going. The deacon continued, Lord, I hate Lord. Now the pastor was totally perplexed. The deacon continued, Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour. But after you mix them together and bake them in a hot oven, I just love biscuits. Sometimes we have to look past the flour. Sometimes we have to look past the Lord. Sometimes we have to look past the buttermilk and we have to see what God is doing in its entirety. It's not always something that's easy to grasp. It's something that's not always easy to understand. All, all things working together, it, it's difficult. I, I've had things in my personal life. I have lost people and I've had people uh, pretty much uh, leave my, my presence and you, you know, you're left, you're scratching your head that I do something wrong or is there, what, what's going on here? But you learn as you age in Christ that sometimes those people that left you were holding you back from what God was trying to make you. Become Now I put this in relationships because most of the time this is what hurts the most. When you have loved ones that uh, no longer reach out to you or you've had people pass away way before their time. But these people in your life could have been a hindrance to what God was trying to make you into. Now, am I saying God caused them to die? Am I saying God created them and then wiped them out of the way so you could become something better? No, but he causeth all things. No matter how bad the situation is, God can take that situation. And like he says in Isaiah, he'll give you beauty for ashes. Men meant it for ashes. God's giving you beauty through it. Because he knows how to work all things together. That's the reason why we need to trust our Father and not trust our own intellect and not try to make things the way we want them to be all the time. Am I saying you can never have your way? No, but I'm saying it doesn't normally work that way. Normally you don't get your way if you want God's way because what he has for you is more glorious than anything you could ever imagine for yourself. Let's pick back up here, Romans eight twenty nine and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified if I delve into this subject, I'm going to have somebody get upset. If I read these scriptures and don't get into this subject, I am going to have someone get upset. There are some topics in the Bible that you are going to have people, that they're going to be angry Just over the mere mention of it. Just the the reading of the scripture. And they'll get angry. They're ready to fight at the drop of a hat. Predestination is one of those topics. So, all I'm going to say about this, we're going to pick up in Genesis, the 25th chapter. I'm going to read verses 21 through 23. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger god already knew this the the children were still in rebecca's womb that they had not been born yet and god is telling her that one is going to be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger uh, isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 and 10 Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. We could argue all day long whether God chose Jacob to be stronger than Esau, Or whether God just knew that Jacob was going to be stronger than Esau. Truthfully, it has no bearing on our salvation. It doesn't matter if God chose them to be thus because it is beyond our understanding. But we read the scripture and we know that God already knows what's going to happen in the end. He's already in the end. Now, did he guide? Did he push? Did he cause them to be that way? Honestly, I don't know. But you can't be in the end and not already know what's going to happen in the end. It's one of those topics that people get angry over, but honestly, we are better off sitting around arguing over the correct pronunciation of a pecan, or a pecan, if you would. It serves no purpose because there are some things you're not going to understand on this side of eternity. So let's not wrestle with God, let's not grieve the Holy Ghost, and let's not disfellowship one another over our view on predestination. Maybe we're both wrong. Romans 8, 31 through 33, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. So David says, Psalm 118, verse 6, he says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Who can affect you? Who can affect you? Who can stop you? Who can get in your path and keep you from God? Nobody. Nobody. Let's pick back up in verse 34 and read down through 39. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again... Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? I guess peril would be the more nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now neither height nor depth, there's a couple different ways that you can look at this, but let's go back to Philippians. (laughs) There was a YouTuber that Came up with this saying. At least that was the first time I heard it, and I absolutely loved it. But he pulled it out of Philippians, the fourth chapter. But uh, we're going to pick up here, verse ten down through thirteen, and I, I won't fail to tell you the, what he what he said here. But but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased. There's your height that he was speaking of in Romans. No, actually I've got that exactly backwards. There is your depth that he was speaking of in Romans. I know how to abound there's your height. There's your height. I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I have heard that scripture preached my entire lifetime from the time I was a young man going to the, the Pentecostal church of God, the Baptist church, probably heard it in the Methodist church, heard it, apostolic churches, but everybody just takes verse 13. They don't realize that everything else that Paul was saying here, listen, I know something about suffering. I know something about seeking God's will. I know what it is to be and want, and I know what it is to have an abundance. But when they come in and they say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, that man on YouTube, he said, I can do all things through a scripture taken out of context. And that really is, most of the time when that is preached, he is talking about having an abundance. He is talking about having a blessing. But at the same time, he is talking about having want, and he's talking about being abased. Don't take the scripture out of context. Is it wrong for you to have things? No, no, by no means is it wrong for, for you to have an abundance, but it's you have to have yourself in a place to understand want. You have to have yourself in an understanding of what it is to need. For one thing, if not, you are going to be useless to those that are in need if you don't understand what their want is. But we're going to leave off there. That is the end of chapter eight. We're moving right along here. If you would like to email us for any reason, it's Apostolic Bible Study Time at gmail.com. Again, that is Apostolic Bible Study Time at gmail.com. Website is Apostolic dot net. Facebook is Facebook.com forward slash Apostolic Bible Study Time. And Twitter is at one, that is the numeral one, at one God podcast on Twitter. One more time, I'm reminding you that Jesus is not in the Godhead. Colossians 2 and 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead is in Jesus. Till next time, this is Brother James. Goodbye and God bless you. God is all in you. It's Alpha and Omega. Beginning and the end. The living word incarnate. The helpless sinners ring. Our wisdom and perfection. Our righteousness and power. If all we need needed Jesus.